this episode of the Koshcast was recorded before Roma sacked Paulo Fonseca and announced Jose Mourinho, oh my God, as the new manager. And we have a message from Manchester United. You're a fool, Harry Potter. And you will lose everything. And Tottenham Hotspur fans. See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and I'm joined by only the one and only Mohamed. Yellow. Yeah, a lot, a lot of pressure today. Yeah, massively. Uh, we, we've got to perform like some of the greatest strike partnerships of all time. Uh, you know, Del Piero and Inzaghi. Mm, I think I like Adriano Ronaldo for Brazil. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I had they're, they're just fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, in my head, I had the classic York and Cole. Yeah. Yeah. No. Gigs I think... and crimes. They also, yeah, they also just looked so similar that it just it was fun. It's the same player, just one with the left foot, one with the right. It was like a mirror image. Yeah, um, and you're like, and then you two more, have all the same personality flaws. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think also I like the like the new the, the Messi Suarez, Messi Neymar. That's Messi the Neymar with was front fun. threes though. I know, I know. Like if you you think about it, if you if you were to say Messi and Suarez was a great combo, which it was. Then you start to feel a bit bad for Neymar that he's not involved. Yeah, because Messi and Suarez were a bit more like a strike partnership, where yeah. Neymar was really out wide. But yeah, but with the tricks and the flicks. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's just the two of us, but there is a lot to get through. So I hope your your voice is is ready and working, well hydrated. Yeah, very much. Oh no, you can't be though. Can exactly. You? That's, <laughs> that's bullshit. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get through anyway. Um, we should really, what we could do at some point, if you're down, is like do what the Premier League teams are doing and stop the pod when the sun goes down and you can have a date and a little drink. <laughs> I could do that. I think we'll be, I think we'll finish just in time. I planned it perfectly. Okay. Excellent. Um, well, let's start this week. I mean, there's a lot of Premier League games, obviously, but there was also a Premier League game that didn't happen. I kind of wanted to start there. Because there's been, obviously, since the Super League stuff came out, there have been a number of protests. First, the protest directly about the Super League at Chelsea, where they sent Petr Cech out without his hat to come and uh, <laughs> negotiate. And then there was the Arsenal protest, the Cronky out, which initially I mean, you had be... you had the chance to say save the day, but... <laughs> True. True. Should have done that. Um and then there was the, the Arsenal protest, which initially was going to be uh, anti-Super League and then turned into a cronky out protest. And then United fans have uh, they've taken the cake. They've won, they've won the protest wars. Yeah, I think. Uh, and the important thing here is that like this whole ESL thing was the, really the catalyst. It's what kind of started it all. They, and you usually need something to kind of light the fire. But then the fire caught on to the owners and it kind of you stop you stop thinking about the ESL and all that stuff and it just starts to become ESL is just weird because it, to me it's always been English as second language yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it just it just the fire kind of sprung from the ESL onto the owners now and it's kind of an excuse to 
it got people together and that's always the most dangerous right when people are kind of banding around the one thing and that's kind of what we mm-hmm. saw i think the arsenal protests were great the united protests I mean, the funniest thing about that was I mean, me and you, Alex, in what, 2016, we went on that footballing tour with the guys and we went to the Arsenal Stadium and we talked about the level of security there. Oh, man. And that was just the funniest thing. It just took me back. I'm like, you could take maybe, I'd say 12 people. As long as you're 12, you're getting access to that field. 100%. Yeah, There's you just nobody. need a small and dynamic operation. You, you, you get in just fine. Like, you know that gif on Twitter of the, the security guard doing a pat down? <laughs> yeah. It genuinely was that. Yeah, but, but what are you going to do? You don't have a full SWAT team in front of the stadium 24-7. So you rock up with 10 of your mates and you will gain access to the field. It's just, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, one, um, one distracts Nigel, the other 11 go in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Chelsea fans tried to stop the bus and they delayed their game against whoever it was. Right. Um, Brighton, I think. United fans gained access to the field and stopped their game. Arsenal didn't get to that point. But I think you have to, you ha- to grab their attention, you got to do something like that. It can't just be this protest that is not going to affect anything and then you kind of just move on. So I, I like the fact that, you know, the game got postponed um, and that, you know, people are paying attention to it. Absolutely. And and I think there, there was a lot of, for all the, the unity there was a couple of weeks ago when the Super League thing came out and how everyone banded together and uh, against it, there was an awful lot of, of like condescending kind of language going around about this United protest because for, for a certain group of people um, when it gets a little bit further than they're comfortable with they start to question it and say oh you shouldn't really be protesting that way or you shouldn't be doing that or oh it's turned criminal and frankly like that's just nonsense I mean you, how are you going to tell people how to protest United fans have been protesting the Glazers since they arrived, like in, in fits and, and starts, right? Mm-hmm. But we all remember the green and gold protests. Um, a whole bunch of United fans literally started a whole new club right. <laughs> because they weren't happy with this. Um, so they've been protesting for, you know, 50, is it 15 years, 16 years? Um, and it's not, I've seen some people say, oh, it's because they're not winning anything right now. And it's like, no, it's not. It, yeah. It's, as you said, the Super League gave people another reason to get together. Um, yeah, and I think just in general, it's not just this protest. In general, this is how you try and fight protests. You kind of, as long as they're not really affecting anything, you let them happen, and you say, "Oh, I'm tolerant of it," and it's great that you have this voice. And but it's a useless voice because the minute it starts to become something, you start to kind of say, "Well, look at them. They're being, you know, they're now hooligans. They're branded differently. They're not protesters or fans anymore. Now they're hooligans and criminals and this and that." And it happens with any protest, any political yeah. protest. And you start to say, "Oh, look, well, it's a, yeah," and then and then you know you start to say oh it's supposed to be peaceful and then one dude gets injured or something out of you know <laughs> three hours of protesting and then it, that's what's highlighted and it's yeah I, I think that's just typical with how people in power will deal with any kind of protest in any park of life so whether anything will happen i mean they are what woodward is leaving end of the year or mm-hmm. end of the season i don't know how that works um the, the glazers have the Glazers have, I think, since the protest, uh, reiterated their commitment to staying at United in, the, in very much the same way the Cronkies did, um, and apparently have plans to turn it from a three billion pound business into a ten billion pound business. I don't know how you do but, that. I mean, that's a lot of shirt sales. But even <laughs> even if they did, just the fact that you say that 
shows that you don't understand what people want. The well, problem right. is what people want is not in your hands because what they want is they don't want you associated with a club, which will never happen if you yeah. don't want it to. So really the fact that you come out and say, I'm going to turn it from a 3 billion club to a 10 billion club is just perfect example that you have no idea <laughs> what these people want. Yeah, don't worry, guys. It's going to be a 10 billion pound club. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, thank you. We've got, yeah. All right. <laughs> One thing that did occur to me though was that, um, so this weekend, had United lost, I believe, and Man City mm-hmm. won, which they did, City would have won the league. So as long as Manchester United don't play, City can't win the league. Exactly. I mean, Love there's that. no way to prove that the comeback was not on. Yeah. So really, they just need to do this every week. Yeah. It's, it's, pure, it's pure genius. Cancel the season. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we can move on to games that did happen. Um, we just mentioned City... So we can talk about them. Um, they beat Crystal Palace two 0 with basically a reserve team, right? I mean, you you were on record as being very happy that that Raheem Sterling is no longer in the Champions League eleven. Uh, oh yeah, I he's, love in, that. he's in the league eleven. Well, I don't, the league doesn't matter anymore. Also, I mean, <laughs> it is a makeshift. It is a makeshift eleven that I think their backline costs more than their starting lineup. Um, so it was weird. like a five, whatever, what is it? Like a two, 300 million back line that is like all substitutes. I mean, maybe Bar Cancelo. Yeah, let's see um, here. Hang on. Cancelo was like 40 million, Ake 40, Laporte 60, Mendy 50. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're at 250 million right there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your, you know, that's your substitute. And then, and then you wonder why you win the Carling Cup every season. Yeah. Um, so, but again, this game for me was the Aguero kind of comeback. It was brilliant. The goal he scored was so Aguero that near post he loves that near post and you know there's that still of him kind of just striking the ball and it was interesting to see the reaction between him and pep i think it was a little bit i'm not i'm not saying it's fake i think it's genuine but it was a little mm. bit for the cameras even though it was genuine it was Do a little think... bit like we don't have issues we're happy and i'm leaving because it's time kind of thing right no I, yeah i totally i totally see what you mean I, i'm wondering if pep is like you know when i don't know let's say you you're in a job that you hate but but you've left like you've quit yeah, yeah, yeah and you've got a couple of weeks left in those two weeks you're well happy even though you're still doing the shit job you're everyone's mate yeah exactly because the yeah. lights at the end of the tunnel it felt a bit like that yeah well you're out of your little depression mode and you're like well i can see you're right i can see the end goal here so i can be happy for these two weeks and that's it yeah uh, we have speculated in the past as to where aguero might go where do you want him to go want him i want him to go somewhere small you know i I always want big people to go somewhere small like managers i always want to you know i always want to see a pep at a not even that small but like at a villa or a leicester i always want to see what that would be like you (laughs) know so with aguero it's just unfortunately with the age and the you know only big man little man (laughs) yeah big man stocky man (laughs) um but yeah i don't know i I mean barca would obviously make the most sense but you know i I would like to see him maybe take over a Kane at Tottenham and be, you know, try and be influential towards something as opposed to big. Just say, I don't know. What about you? Do you have any thoughts on where he could go? Like that would be fun. I I mean, we wouldn't see him every week necessarily, but for him, like Italy or Spain, Mm. because the Premier League is just not, it's too much now. for his. But but, but it would be fun. Like if he maybe replaced the Firmino in Liverpool, like it would be fun. But you keep saying little clubs, and then you're at Liverpool, I Barcelona. Know. I know. I, I mean, he's just the thing is, it's just not going to happen. What about? Yeah. Uh, well, Brighton need a striker desperately. 
Okay, Aguero can, can replace Mope. <laughs> or, I mean, did you see Welbeck's kill the, the other day? <laughs> I, I don't know if Aguero gets in anymore. So, <laughs> Good point. Anyway, a, a routine a routine win for City who I guess will have to wait. Torres got a goal that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been for a while. So that's good for him. That's nice for him. It's a good yeah, goal too. Kind of forget that he's there. And then it'll be interesting to see if he remains a kind of very bit part player next season or whether he actually, they intend for him to actually become, you know. Well, what is his, player. what is his best position? Is it a striker or is it out wide? He's a right winger, but like do positions mean anything anymore for Man City? Well, I'm just saying if they, if he's a striker, he could try and be now, you know, he could just try and pip Jesus. But if he's not, then it doesn't matter for him because there's way too many players. Yeah, I, that's fair. I just feel like City have kind of moved beyond the striker. strikers. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're an attacking player, like it's, it's fine, you know. Anyway, um, another 2-0 win over a bad opponent. Um, I had so much hope for Fulham. I thought Scott Parker was going to keep him up just about. But it's it's gone, man. It's gone. Chelsea two, Fulham nil. No. Uh, the the Werner conversation just continues and continues and continues. Yeah, but I I like to give him credit where I feel like he's doing everything else at least, as opposed to absolutely being completely useless. Like he's goals and assists wise, he is their top um, contributor. So I have to give him that. But is he like- giving us also comedy every week? Yeah. That's true. I suppose we should be grateful for that. I mean, like, what are his? What is his? What are his contributions? Like twelve or something? It's like maybe fourteen or something. Uh... I mean, that that is a bit damning. Yeah, let's see here. So we've got the transfermarket.us. So oh, yes. he's got in total. Yeah, he's got eleven. What are these icons? <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't okay, like here it. we go. Eleven goals, thirteen assists. So 24 contributions in all competitions. I mean, fair play. I, that would look a lot better if other people were contributing properly, I, I guess, right? Yeah. Like if you weren't reliant on that. He's got six goals in the league. That sucks. He plays every week. Yeah, I guess. But 13 assists is quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah, 10 in the league. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. I, I find it funny that you're quite lenient with Timo Werner when you like will not have Kevin De Bruyne for a second. It's because the expectation, the standard. <laughs> Timo Werner is not trying to shove down my throat that he's a world class player. So I'm okay with him. Does that make sense? Like, I don't like pretenders in quotations. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is one of the best, blah, blah, blah. But pretenders in the sense that you, like, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't know you like that. Like, no. Like, Kevin De Bruyne is not it. Like, you know, Salah <laughs> can do his thing because I, it is, you know. But even Mane for me more than De Bruyne. I don't know what it is about De Bruyne. It's, maybe it's the Ozil, like, fight for a couple of years. Maybe. maybe that was it. But It could be that he has no personality whatsoever. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think we need to do a meme of you uh, <laughs> with your face instead of Michael Jordan. And just, <laughs> just you taking I it personally. personally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when he scored that goal in the Champions League, I'm sure we'll get to it. I hated that. I hated that so much. Just the what, luck the from Brenner? that cross. Yeah, that, that that kind of lucky cross. Like it just it just bothered me so much. Well, he did. He was asked about it afterwards, and he was like, he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, yeah, but like I put it into the area, and my teammates know if they touch it, it's dangerous, and if they don't touch it, it's also dangerous. I was like, yeah, sure. that, that sums it up. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was, I mean, Chelsea's game here against Fulham, I think that's kind of where we started this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. um, Havertz, like, 
we talked about the center forward experiment and he did mm. i think for germany in the latest international break if i'm not mistaken we thought okay wait if germany do this then they know him then maybe it's a thing yeah and this game even the finishes were were it like i was impressed yeah he's he looks a lot more comfortable as the nine or the false nine whatever you want to call it than he does playing deeper which which leads me to wonder like Chelsea are very publicly chasing a new striker next season. And then what happens to him? Does he go back to being a 10? And like you hope that he's more effective because it's his second season and he's had time and he's a bit older or what have you? Or I don't know. Well, the thing is that the problem with him and his position in midfield is, and we'll get to Mason Mount's assist, is Hmm. that you have an option. You either play two deep sitting players in like a Mount and a Kovacic, sorry, a uh, Kante and a Kovacic or a Kante and a... Jorginho or whatever and then you play Mason Mount almost like a number 10 but almost like a third center mid that kind of box the box bombs forward and back so that doesn't have a Havertz position if you want to play Havertz as number 10 you're never dropping Mount in a million years so what you end up is you end up with Conte taking up all the responsibility to defend and in the league it's tough in the Premier League it's tough to do it with one person without that kind of middleman and Mount is still attacking so then you end up with Conte Mount and Havertz and it's it's not going to work. You're going to get run run over, right? So yeah. where does he fit in that midfield? I just don't see it. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to know. And that, like, Tuchel has a lot to work out there because they also started um, Billy Gilmore on the weekend, who's a lovely little player, but another central midfielder. And Kante's not going anywhere. Kovacic isn't going anywhere. Kovacic, by the way. Um, <laughs> so obviously there's a social media blackout um, over the weekend. Kovacic allegedly created a Twitter account just so that he could shut it down, which is okay. you know, impressive commitment to the cause. Well, it's either impressive commitment or really trying to cover something up. <laughs> yeah, what are you hiding, Mateo? Like, like you're worried that someone in a year will come back and say, look, Kovacic never blah, blah. It's like, okay. I just, yeah, I feel it's more like, that's so, it doesn't make sense. You Like, the whole point of the blackout or whatever is that social media companies lose money from like people that are not online or which is never going to happen. It doesn't make any sense, blah, blah, blah. But if you have zero followers, cause you started it yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> if anything, you've helped them by creating one more account before shutting it down. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't really know the, the details. Maybe he left it up long enough to get, cause you know, football players get followers like instantly. Right. So yeah. I don't know, but yeah, it is quite funny. I don't know. Um, nonetheless, Chelsea would be happy with that. They they look very very solid for top four. Now they've got it's a couple really different. It's really annoying fixtures, but... what Tuchel's been doing since he joined. Like oh. everything has been on point perfection. Like yep. maybe bar the last game where they got a red card and blah blah blah. Whatever. That's that's inconsequential. The point is, he's been perfect since he joined. Yeah, and it's the not even just the comp- perfect. The man management, the se- the team selections. The the balancing all the competitions, like the you know winning. Did, did they already win the FA Cup? What happened? No, they're in the final. No. They're in the final of the FA Cup. They they look like they might be in the final of the Champions League. They're gonna make top four, like it. I mean, we'll talk about top four. There's a lot of craziness there, but where they were, and it's not just <laughs> it's not just relative to the fact that they had Lampard, who was clueless before. Like he <laughs> could have taken over anybody, and it would have still look very very decent. Yeah. I mean, the, the Chelsea's Chelsea season ends or is going to end with an absolute bang. So, like, they, this is a massive test for Tuchel over the next couple of weeks. He's got Real Madrid in the in the semi final of the Champions League. Then he's got City in the league, Arsenal mm. in the league, FA Cup final against Leicester, 
Then they play Leicester again four days later in the league. And then they end the season with Villa. So, like, these are every single one of those games is massive apart from Villa. Sorry, Villa fans. So, but, like, I mean, it could be come, come that time. Yeah. So, I mean, it could go from a treble, and the treble, I'm, I'm counting the top four in there, could go from a treble to nothing. Like, it could be a major, it could be like a huge win at the end of the season, or it could be like you could lose the semi final, you could lose the final, and you could not make the top four. <laughs> Yeah, this is you, exciting. Exactly, you could you could go from being sent like a, a golden something from Abramovich to being yep. left in a ditch in Siberia. Yeah, yeah anything's gonna, possible. Anything's possible. Before we before we move on, I know we talked about this a lot, but you want to touch on the Mason Mount assist because it's worth it. I think you said it gave you tingles, and I massively agree. Yeah, I there's two things that when they happen, it's worth talking about. Is when I get tingles. And when I get off the couch, <laughs> so that that's the that's the barometer there. That's the litmus test. And this one, this one hit the, the tingling one. And so the thing it is, was... if you get too many tingles, does it then get difficult to get off the couch? That's a good point. That that's when it's like messy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just the timing of the ball touching the ground. The amount of of, of power to put it perfectly in his path. It was world-class. Like it, it looked so simple. Someone that maybe doesn't play the sport, doesn't watch the sport, you look at that, you're like, what's the big deal? He passed in the ball. But we know just how beautiful that was. The control first, obviously, over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Then for me, it was the pause. They, they, he waited just for the right second. For the offside to, make, to be perfect. Yeah, to make the pass. And then the pass was perfect. Like Everything about it was, was world-class. It was, man. It was like I keep, I kept watching it. The the ball was like spinning backwards just to stop it from run, going too far. Like it was perfection. It was, it was. So yeah, if that doesn't end up on a on a compilation, yeah, you know, yeah, it's gone wrong. Um, another two 0 win. Arsenal two, Newcastle nil. Uh, obviously Newcastle didn't have Joe Willock, so Arsenal were able to win. <laughs> well, maybe we could say that. Joe Willock won Arsenal the game, and he is an Arsenal player. Sorry, <laughs> Arsenal still deserve the credit. <laughs> but I mean, the one time when we are gonna, you know, the one time that we won a game, the United boys aren't here, so that's uh, that's unfortunate. I'm not um, sure how much how much credit we would get for a two 0 victory over ten man Newcastle, but. Hey, 10, come on, 91st minute red card. <laughs> this is fake news right here. Um, but I was worried about this game when it started because the lineup was much changed and Arsenal's first 11 are not good enough, let alone a completely changed lineup. So um, Aubameyang was back, but again, pretty much useless other than the goal. Fine, yeah, I might get some hate for that, but I, I still think so. I, I don't see enough happening. William, you know, starting, Sebias and Elneny midfield, David Luiz is back from injury, Bellerin at right back, Shaka left back, <laughs> Matty Ryan and goal. Like, it was a recipe for disaster, but I think we did quite well. But Martinelli started. Now, I, I, I just want to touch on this because this is a massive topic amongst Arsenal fans, specifically, well, not specifically, but particularly on Twitter, um, which is that there is a section of this fan base, and I, you tell me if you are one of them or not, 100% sure. But they basically think that Arteta has it out for Martinelli, which is why he doesn't, doesn't start more. And like to me, obviously Martinelli is very talented. And whenever he plays, like he looks dangerous and what have you. Um, but like 
he's 19. He's come off a basically year-long injury. And Arsenal do have a lot of players in his position. So I, ju- I just don't really get the obsession about his minutes. But, I mean, can you explain it any further? No, I... I... <laughs> Look, the obsession with Martinelli's minutes is only a reflection of how bad Arsenal are. Right. If Arsenal were any competent, no one would care and people would just be excited when he plays in the Carling Cup and maybe in a like a dead rubber Europa League game. But because of where we are, the Saka, the ESRs, the Martinelli's, there's so much focus on them because there's nothing else to focus on. Even, I mean, people follow potentially Saliba in France more than our games now. Like that, that's how much we need anything to kind of take us out of this whole like fighting for 10th thing, right? So there were moments where just we, I, I also did not understand why Martinelli was not starting. There were games where it's like, okay, well, this is clearly Martinelli's time. Like, because that's injured, Aubameyang's injured. We have no strikers. And then you play um and Katia and I get it you're trying to get five more million from him but that's only if he plays well we know he's not gonna so if anything he's just going down so there were moments where I just I I don't think it's personal with Arteta I just didn't understand why he doesn't start that's all fair enough I mean that that's standard you know like every week there's hmm. someone that you think should be playing and and shouldn't but you know there, there is this there is this kind of anger and and debate around it and, and I think you're right I think maybe it's just like People need something to talk about or hold on to. Anyway, um, every, what, two years or so, El Nani scores a banger. He's done it again. To be fair, this season he scored like maybe three in one. So we'll give him that. Also, he's been in Turkey for a year. So it's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, his goals, his compilation, it's like one of those Juru compilations where people in 30 years are going to look back and you can really make a compilation to make El Nani look one of the best midfielders (laughs) to ever grace the Premier League. So as Juru, you know, Juru is a whole different level. Juru could be the best striker to ever play the game with this compilation. So he's got one of those. And I think this goal potentially is even like not even cracking his top five that's that's (laughs) how good he's been Um, because it bounced before it went in yeah exactly i you know what i don't actually mind on any at arsenal at all like i think he does what he needs to do when he when he's called upon he's he didn't cost much he's not making that much money like i would genuinely start on any next to Partey over ceballos like that oh uh, yeah, no, 100%. So Bios is, is too weird a player. Uh, obviously, we're, yeah, everyone knows our feelings about Granite Xhaka. But like, it, well, Ceballos, we, we've heard, according to the, the great oracle in the sky, Fabrizio Romano, it won't be here next season. And he's said something about like preferring Spain. Well, he said he's a La Liga player and then he stunk up the place versus Villarreal. <laughs> so, so maybe like... La Liga has changed since you left, Danny. <laughs> But uh, but I I mean I for one look forward to him never being in the Arsenal team again. And you're right about Elneny. Like he he's he's not the problem. He's not a problem as a squad player. You know he, he's absolutely fine. If he were a Manchester United squad player under Alex Ferguson, he'd have 19 titles. Like he's a an O'Shea, a Fletcher. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's like he's like the 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 can of baked beans or something in your pantry. You're not sure what else to have. So you have but that. it will, but it will save you during a nuclear holocaust. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. That is a description of El Nenny's. set. Anyway, Aubameyang did get on the score sheet to make it two 0 Um, quick question, just on Newcastle. Um, would you take Alisson Maximum? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just for oh, yeah, fun, like, or because like, you think like he'd be effective. 
No, no. If you sell William and you need to replace a winger for numbers in your squad that maybe doesn't need to start every week, yeah, definitely. Oh, I mean, I think I think there's more in him as a footballer, let's say, than a Triori. Oh, like, forget the one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and it would be I, nice I to see it. him with some other good players instead of like trying to catch a John Joe Shelby hundred yard yeah. pass every time. And it would be, yeah, it would be nice to see how when he doesn't feel like he has to do it all himself, how that would happen. Mm. Right, like it's it's what Zaha has been begging for for like a decade, but yeah, yeah, hundred percent. All right, um, Leicester, one-one uh, draw against Southampton. Now, look, Leicester went one-nil up, I think, and then and, and Southampton had a man sent off with Vestergaard with that that controversial challenge, um, and then you're fearing the worst because you're like, last time this happened, it was nine-nil, and somehow oh, Southampton, yeah. Southampton managed to, to stay in the game for a long Did- time. Did that Twitter account pipe up with the whole is <laughs> is is the nine nil being referenced? <laughs> I don't um, know. But yeah, any thoughts on the red card before we move on from it? Not a red for me, Clive. I mean, he takes the ball. Yeah, I mean, he, he does crash into his ankle, but like, he wins the ball. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it's supposed to be. Is that supposed to be a red card? Well, he he almost snaps his ankle. And also, the refs always take the context into play. The fact that he miscontrolled yeah, the ball yeah, yeah. always gives the refs this idea that it's rash because you're not trying to make up for your mistake. So that football's all context. If that happened where maybe the ball was bobbling between them and it wasn't his own mistake, he might not have gotten a red. But like the fact if, it's, that ref- if it's Vardy's touch. Yeah, yeah. But the right. fact that the ref thinks you're now rashly making up for your mistake, you're getting a red. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, my my instinct was was no, but you know, ultimately, I don't really care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, um, Leicester, the, the first, the first that we've been calling for a, a bit of a bottle job from them for a while, and they're not really doing it. But this was the first sign of a of potentially cracking. <sighs> We're gonna look at the fixtures, but and they don't have that much. You know, they don't have a lot of easy fixtures, but. <sighs> This is a game where we looked at and said they need to beat Southampton here so that they can afford to lose some of the coming games yeah, that they I have mean, coming up. They've got Newcastle, uh, Man United, Chelsea, and then Spurs. Yeah, so Newcastle's, you know, if they draw Newcastle, start to worry. Yeah. Seriously. Because what Chelsea are only two points behind. Two points. Okay, mate, forget Chelsea. West Ham are only five points behind. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you draw impossible. a couple of games, like things are getting dicey. And, and West Ham had the pretty good run compared to the rest, if I remember correctly. It was West Ham and Liverpool that had... Yeah, West um, Ham's fixtures are very good. West Ham play Everton, Brighton, West Brom and Southampton. So like you couldn't ask for a better run in, really. If they beat everyone, if they win their next four games, they make then it. Leicester need to draw against Newcastle potentially and lose a game and that's that would be it well close mm. so yeah it's not impossible but we'll see but yeah they they needed to win this game but they did you know um the fact that Southampton went ahead with 10 men was not a good look but yeah Nacho again with the stats getting an assist this game a really nice little cross into Evans I thought yeah he's he's um we kind of said earlier in the season that he's not a very well-rounded player and mm. I would probably maintain that, but he's displaying more attributes than I necessarily thought he had. 
Agreed, especially recently, because he started banging in just goals that were tapping, and that's kind of what formed some of that opinion. Mm-hmm. And then, and obviously, you know, you're going to form opinion within two weeks because that's you know that's what you do. What what else is the point? Yeah. <laughs> and then he started to do some stuff. He had an assist. I oh well, obviously the you know the goal he just scored um, that banger of a goal with the first touch and everything. And then there was an assist before that. So yeah, he started to kind of come around with the all-roundedness recently. So good for him. Yeah, lovely stuff. Um, Brighton beat Leeds to know just Welbeck. That's really all I care about here. Yeah, that was brilliant. I mean, even my wife was watching the the highlights next to me, like kind of half an eye on the TV, and even she went, "Whoa!" I was like, "Yep, that that is good. <laughs> that is good." <laughs> that, how, on the tingle rating, where was that? I, because it wasn't live. I the tingles only happen live. Okay. So unfortunately, Welbeck doesn't get any tingle from me, but. It's still logically appreciated. Fair enough. I the first time I saw it, I, I didn't it was like halfway through the replay. So I just saw the finish and I was like, that mm. is a very good finish for Danny Welbeck. For his left. Foot. Mm. Yeah. And then like a day later I actually saw the whole thing. And when you add the the half volley Cruyff turn to it, oh my god. I think it's also because it was between two players, not just yeah. one. He didn't only fake one guy, he faked two of them. And so here's a here's 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 one for the agenda, Alex. Please. Melier. Yeah. Could could potentially save that if you're a top top keeper. You mean if you're not a twenty one year old, very talented, but you know, ironing out your flaws, young keeper who who's been that, chucked that, in at the deep end. <laughs> and it's <laughs> that's a very long way of saying yes. <laughs> but, but I'll take it. Oh yeah, yeah. I maybe. I don't want to take anything away from Welbs, of sure. course. But, sure. <laughs> but no, look, uh, Melier could, should get better. I think if, if he reaches his potential, he's going to be fabulous. But yeah, for now, there are still, still flaws, for sure. Speaking of leads, I know they get this unwarranted pressure slash expectation on them. They just came out from the second division, but because of the way they play football, and, and this is that whole, you know, this is like Kevin De Bruyne. They're the ones shoving it down our throats, right? We've got Bielsa, we play this amazing football, and whatever. So I was looking at the table, and I was going to say the fact that Aston Villa, every, you know, those teams are finishing above. I think Leeds pretty much, outside of the you know, the standard Premier League teams in basically Villa and Everton joining the other top, whatever, seven and West Ham potentially. I think finishing 11th is basically you're the best of the rest. Like, I think it's very apt. Like, that's where you finish. I just don't know where that expectation that they're not performing is coming from. Are you, I mean, you're, we're basically just talking about Bernie here, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. I, he doesn't like Bielsa. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's what it is. But no, 11th is a perfect finish. And I'll tell you why. Because... It, it it's high enough that you're like, they didn't just survive, right? But it's not too high that it sets expectations mental for the following season. Like Sheffield United finished eighth last year, right? Mm. And then you're like, Jesus, that was amazing for a promoted team. What will they do next season? They're basically in Europe. And then, it, you know, they're relegated with three points. Well, Leicester won the league after almost being yeah. relegated. So, That's, you know, yeah. maybe they set the standard. But also, to be fair, you have a point of like, if you finish eighth or seventh, you get into the Europa League and you do not have the squad for it. No. You just don't. So you do not want to finish in Europe just yet until you kind of establish yourself as a Premier League team for a couple of years, grow your wage bill, grow your squad size, and then get into Europe, not just get chucked in all of a sudden. So if West Ham end up in the Champions League, it would be very interesting yes. what happens next season. 
like you can't get Antonio through one week without an injury, let alone yeah. two games a week against yeah. you know Barcelona. Um, just on on Leeds, did you you did you hear the the Peter Crouch podcast with Patrick Bamford? Not all of it, but I heard like little snippets. Okay, yeah. I mean, far be it for me to recommend listening to someone else's podcast, but <laughs> Crouch's podcast is wicked, and Bamford was quite funny. He told a few stories or just like kind of anecdotes about life at Leeds under Bielsa. Um, and it's not, it is exactly how you'd think it is. So like he doesn't speak any English, really. Everything gets translated. Um, the translator sometimes leaves things out and he gets angry at the translator when he notices um, they do a shit ton of running and just like fitness. They've got a, some exercise called murder ball. Like it's exactly nice. what you would expect it to be. Nice. Well, it makes sense that you're doing a lot of running because it doesn't involve him giving a lot of instructions. <laughs> so just just run. We'll talk after. Exactly. Uh, he's a crazy character. He's a, but but he's a very in terms of like on the I guess the social political side of things. He's very kind of the man of the people. He keeps he brings it up all the time about you know the wages that people pay to watch and this and that. And he seems to be really, yeah, really down with that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think the Premier League is better better for having him. Yeah. Speaking of Antonio, let's talk about West Ham a little bit here. If mm. It's okay. Um, they beat Burnley 2-1 today. And I think the first half was a classic, Alex. You watched this game live. I, I, did, uh, I only saw the second half, but it was oh. it was one of the best games of the weekend. Okay. Really, eh? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, this was end-to-end. Burnley, Burnley have, you know, I, I love slagging Burnley off, but they've been very attacking in, in recent weeks. I think they've scored. They were, they've had a couple of 4 nils lately or whatever. Um Anyway, this really was end-to-end. And I, the other thing that was fun about this game was that obviously one team was in black because <laughs> they both wear claret. And every two minutes, I would forget who was who, which mm. just added an element of, of mystery <laughs> to yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I was following it kind of loosely and stuff, and it looked like it was a really good game. And Antonio, he's such a nice guy. Like, you, I don't know if you saw the interview after the game. It was so refreshing. They were asking him about... Um, you know, is it a shame he didn't get a hat trick? And he was so basically tongue in cheek that he had so many chances to score like another three goals and he missed Mm -hmm. them really badly. And one of them, he kicked, I think he kicked his, yeah, he kicked the ball from his right foot onto his left foot, which deflected it off target. And he was saying, look, I was just trying to go for the perfect uh, hat trick. I I had scored with my head, I had scored with my right, and now I was just trying to hit it off my left into the goal. He was joking around about it. You know, they asked him about why he wasn't celebrating. Usually he celebrates really emphatically, and and he just bluntly said, well, VAR has taken that away from me because I celebrate so emphatically. It's some crazy dance or a flip or this, and I'm going to look like an absolute idiot doing that, and then it gets called off. And he literally said for a handball five minutes ago, and he mm-hmm. just said, I hate, like, I hate VAR. It doesn't work for me, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, he said it did take away some of the joy from the game. But overall, the interview was just a lot of fun. He's smiling the whole way. He's chuckling. He's doing some banter here and there. Like, he just seems like a great guy. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to go look that up. But, but he, makes, he makes a very good point. Like, why would you go crazy and celebrate when every i mean it's well, they're pretty much at least trying to game, cancel man. the goal well they're yeah. trying like it just seems like you're you're trying to cancel the goal is what you're trying to do with those replays as opposed to just finding some blatant error right like like we talk about offside like the whole point of var is to reduce any blatant errors from the referees but we do it that way for fouls and penalties and red cards but we don't do it that way for offside the offside stop being blatant and it starts to become to the millimeter so 
there's just not that balance there. Yep, agreed. I, I mean, it seems odd to me that we're, we're persisting with this thing that players hate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you well, just think, I mean, it's similar to the Super League. It's like how you're not consulting the people who actually have to play the game, I don't know. Well, that's what, that's what happens when you start to have control from the top and you just, you, the players are just making tons of money and they're, you know, that's all. They're just getting paid to do a job, right? It's not sport anymore. It's a job, right? Fair enough. Well, I think the players should, should do a protest, um, get all the games canceled until they agree to take VAR away. I think that would, that would work. It would work. I mean, would honestly, work. it would. It, it would take one weekend of the players all getting together and saying, oh, we're yeah. playing. Like that, oh, yeah. that, would it, that would be it. It would be done. Oh, yeah, anyway. for sure. Uh, all the players listening, you know what to do. Um, Tottenham for Sheffield United, nil. Sheffield United are obviously down already and total bollocks at this point. <laughs> but, That's but, why Dele Alli started. <laughs> it was a very, very emphatic 4 uh, 0 when Gareth Bale, every goal he scores, it's just like a little fuck you to Jose Mourinho and Zinedine Zidane. It, it, like every, every goal has such weight. Well, that finish on the one-on-one was not necessary. No, no, but it was great. Like it was just not required. Like that was, you to, you know, to put it in terms he would understand, that was using like the iron instead of, or whatever, you know, the <laughs> instead driver of instead of the putter. <laughs> like it was just like, why is it ending up in the top corner? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was brilliant. Um, I thought his goals were quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you see the stat that Gareth Bale gave Lamella an eight-year head start and now has <laughs> yeah. more goals than him for Spurs? Yeah, I mean, if you're Eric Lamella reading that, you should probably just retire. It just—it's insane that literally the guy gave you an eight-year head start. I mean, I know he was probably the best player in the Premier League, and you know the the record signing and blah, blah, blah but still eight years. Yeah, <laughs> and he wasn't even at Spurs that long the first time. It was like two yeah. or three, you know, three seasons maybe, and then he left, and then he came back eight years later. And it's not like Lamella was a defensive midfielder or something, you know. He's well, he, he an attacking player. Bale pretty much. Like it's like, okay, let's get a flare winger with a left foot. And then Bale <laughs> came back and scored more goals than Lamella has in his entire career for Spurs in his second state. Like it's insane. Um Son's goal was nice though. Like yeah, he, he needed that too. He's he's like obviously we we we've spoken a lot about how good Son is, but he is still a bit streaky. He yeah. will have like a 12 game goal streak and then go off the yep. boil for eight. Um and and you know we we've detailed his mm-hmm. uh, emotional travails lately with uh, Mourinho going and then the cup final and there's there's been I think I think it's really good that he did not join the army it does not seem suited I think except they gave him an award for like being best soldier or something in the three weeks that he was there but maybe he would have cried if they hadn't so yeah who knows <laughs> Um, but I, I want to say as well that when I watch Spurs like score four goals and Kane's not on the score sheet, every time a goal goes in, I'm just looking at Kane because there's nothing <laughs> to play for. All you're yep. trying to do is get top score. So every time Bale takes a shot from like the halfway line, all I do is like look at Kane <laughs> and, and you can just tell as a captain, he's trying to suppress it. It still trickles out once in a while. You can see it where the first 10 seconds after a goal is him just being like, oh, why couldn't I have scored it? And then he remembers, I'm captain. Let me run over and be all nice. And I don't know if you agree. Maybe I'm just cynical, but I I believe it. I think you're projecting it onto him a little bit, but there's definitely an element of it. There has to be, because if 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 you've watched him over the years, you know how 
goal driven he mm-hmm. is and how he does want to smash every record and so any opportunity missed will bug him you absolutely know that there was one moment where he slipped Reggion through for a one-on-one and Reggion put it wide like it was easier to as my dad put it it was it would have been easier to score and he missed right. and like Kane was regretting that massively because he could have like checked back and smashed it or something but he played the pass anyway it is funny he's looked a bit off the boil since they rushed him back from injury but that is what happens um they still have a chance of top four if they win all of their games and other people mess up but it seems well, seems unlikely at this point it's it's unlikely i mean chelsea would have they'd have to gain five points on chelsea or leicester well seven points yeah yeah it, it would take it would take some some sort of uh, i mean collapse. at this point i think just trying to finish fifth would be like trying to finish above west ham would be commendable from this point on in the season because i don't know if is there any way an English uh, fifth English team can get into the Champions League? I was wondering about this because what if a, what if an English club wins the Champions this League? This is so funny because like we've been watching football for God knows how many years, and we ask this question every year because we just really? can't be bothered to go read the rules. We just make it up <laughs> at, at the end of the season, you know. That is entirely true. Although also the rules <laughs> sometimes change, and like you know, you're never sure when it's safe to look them up. But I yeah. think the, I think it works when like a team from outside win the Europa League and they like if Arsenal won the Europa League yeah that's kind of maybe when it like I, again I'm just making it up on the spot so maybe let's not but well, yeah I mean if Arsenal win the Europa League they're in the Champions League plus the top four okay and then the question is if someone in the top four wins the Champions League yes maybe no, that's nothing it. would happen nothing would happen because no City or Chelsea are already in the top so four. when does the fifth team in in England make it because there is a scenario if if a team who is not so remember the year that Chelsea won the Premier uh, won the Champions League, yep. they didn't finish top four. Correct. So that opened up a new space, or it took a space away from the team in four. It fourth. took a space away. That's what happens, and that's when I remember because I think it was like almost Tottenham or something. I was super yeah, happy was, yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. Tottenham were in fourth, and they never made it into the Champions League that season something because like Chelsea that. won it. Okay, when they weren't okay. in, yeah. But I mean, that was years ago. Things. Who knows if the rule is? Who knows? I mean, I mean, just as of two weeks ago, we had a whole other competition, and this was going to get cancelled. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One thing uh, people haven't really talked about, though, is that they are introducing the Europa Conference League next season, which is literally just the Europa League for worst teams. So, so it's I in th- a different competition. Yeah. For what, like eighth, ninth, and tenth, or whatever. I think it's the team that finishes eighth would would be in it. I think. Oh God, I really hope Arsenal don't make eighth. Well, this is the thing. Like, you really don't want to be in that competition. I mean, people barely want to be in the Europa League, and this is genuinely. Don't you budge, get like? Don't you get like Europa twelve League. million for being like in the Europa League? Fine, like it's peanuts. Like now you're going into a third tier competition. Yeah, it's it's utterly no. insane. It's no. utterly insane. And what it means is that like a team that finishes eighth is gonna get overtaken by teams who finish ninth yeah. to the 12th this season because they're going to have far less games. So is, is Europa League 5th, 6th, and 7th? Yes, I believe. So it might even just be 5th and 6th. 5th and 6th, right? And then 6th, I think, is a playoff. I believe uh, okay. sixth, Yeah, yeah, that makes playoff. sense. That makes yeah. sense. Because last year Spurs had to play like Mm-hmm. Three different playoffs against Dynamo. Oh, they'll, they'll have to do it again this season. Bertolinski or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
anyway, we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll find out when we find out because I'm not looking it up and neither are you realistically. So yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Um. Things happened in Europe, Italy, Ante, Inter, Lukaku. They've done it. They've finally done it. Uh, been rarely happier for someone than Lukaku. I don't know why. It's maybe it's all the slander he got in the Premier League. You know, the first touch. They're not. They're not working out at United. Whatever. Even though his stats were great, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, I, I'm so happy for him. I just feel like he really embraced that challenge and and he made it happen. And you know, with Ronaldo being at Juve, etc. Like it's it's a commendable um, achievement, and they completely. Um, blew the competition out of the water like 82 points at 34 games and the next team at 69 like it's yeah great achievement yeah no it, it was phenomenal and I mean there are a lot of players in that in that team that were kind of written off by other clubs I mean Damian for, well maybe just Manchester United really Damian <laughs> Lukaku Alexis uh, actually Young but it, it, there's a lot of talent in that squad. Like the back three, Roche loves loves talking about them. You know, Skriniar, uh, Bastoni, and um, what's his name? Devray. Yes, thank you. Um, like that, that is a quality back three, and it will be good to see a team of this quality back in the Champions League next season. Um, and and that will be a massive test for Conte because he's been very successful domestically. He won the league 1,900 times with Juve. He won the Premier League quite easily with Chelsea. And now he's won the league with, with Inter. But he's always struggled in the European competition. So can he take Inter from like a very successful domestic team aided by the fact that Juventus blew themselves apart this season um, into one of Europe's actually biggest teams? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I mean, speaking of Conte, like he's done phenomenal in the last eight years or so. Like I said, what was it? Three leagues in a row? Uh, well, not a, yeah, three consecutive Serie A titles he won. Um, the Supercoppa and then what in the in the Premier League, he did he, he won the league, I believe. In his first maybe, season. Maybe an FA Cup even. Like he's had a great seven to eight years with all the banter aside and everything. He's had a great couple, you know, maybe a decade or so. Um, as a manager, and you know, his hair has made a great comeback as well. That's superb, yeah. I mean, the um, benchmark, really. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think again for him, you know, to have left Chelsea the way the way it happened, and then kind of really step back, uh, you know, bounce back in, in, with Inter. But you're right; it's it's going to be Europe now, and you're getting a lot more clubs that focus on Europe. You've got Juve that are. You know, we'd trade you Serie A definitely for a Champions League. You've got Paris Saint Germain, you've got Bayern Munich, you've got Real, you know, maybe not Real Madrid because they, but before they won all the, you know, Barca now, like it just started to become the Champions League is really, you know, speaking of how they tried to abolish it, it's really starting to become the focus of a lot of teams now outside of their leagues. You know, City, same thing. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in Europe next season potentially. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Inter though is that because, because it's such a kind of political situation in Italy in that this is the first season in how many that Juve haven't won it. And so they're not, they're really not going to want to let Juve just come back and take it again. We'll see what they do manager wise. Um, Wasn't it nine in a row for Juve? Something like that. 2011. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like something nuts. And so it's going to be just as, I mean, the Champions League will obviously be a focus, but it will be just as important to them to try and retain the title and try and keep some distance between between them and Juventus. So whether 
they can manage that that balancing act is, is going to be interesting. And what Conte tries to do in the transfer market will also be very interesting. Because he's a bit of a loose cannon in that respect. Kind of just wants everyone. So yeah. I don't know. If they, we don't even know if they have any money. That's true. That's, I mean, we know they don't. <laughs> Sp- speaking of uh, Champions League in relation to Syria, I mean, we look at this top four battle there in mm-hmm. Italy, and you've got Atalanta on 69, Juventus on 69, AC Milan on 69, Napoli on 67, and potentially Lazio on 67 if they win their game in hand. That's five teams separated by two points. I mean, it'll come down to the wire. Juve could go from a nine-year domination for the Scudetto to out of the Champions League spots. It's insane. Personally, I would very much enjoy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just just Um, for the Ronaldo banter alone. (laughs) Absolutely, you get him in the Europa Conference League. Oh Um, yes, (laughs) imagine. Um, Yeah, it's so tight, and and not to um, stereotype, but if I were the boss of any of these clubs, I would be making calls. Oh yeah, can I bribe a ref here? Can I? You know, and it's it's a mini Calciopoli, right? Mini. It's only the last four games of the season. It's exactly. Not all season. Most of it was fair, but let me just a little something something the last the last few. I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd say that's fair. There's so much to play for. Like it, it's, uh, it's just. It's I'm glad insane. to see as well that wasn't it. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't Inter lose a Champions League? Sp- uh, sorry, Inter. Didn't the Serie A lose a Champions League spot a couple of years ago? And then gained it back. Wasn't there a whole controversy where they got three only in the Champions League for a while, and then they got their fourth one back? If yes, maybe correct us if we're wrong, but I believe that is a thing. So I'm glad to see that they've got four in there because there's some big teams. Even though Milan went on a dip and Inter went on a dip, you know the Serie A teams, no matter how poor, no matter this, the history is there. Man, Lazio's and Napoli's and Roma's, like they need four spots. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, let, let me run you through some fixtures. So 8th of May, Spezia against Napoli. So a lovely little start to the run-in for uh, for Napoli. You're going to have to assume that they win that. Fiorentina against Lazio. So I don't know that Lazio are going to catch up that easily. We'll, we'll see. But here's a big one. 9th of May, Juventus against AC Milan. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I mean, uh, what, this weekend is huge. I will get yeah we'll, we'll get to La Liga for that weekend. But yeah. So May 9th, you're saying AC Milan versus... Um... Juventus, Ooh, Juve, oh. yeah, and at the same, and a couple of days later, Atalanta should should smash Benevento. So really, this is a massive chance to put Juventus and, and AC Milan a couple points back. Yeah, th- that weekend, then we'll get to May eighth. So that's next Sunday, May 9th, and then we'll get to May eighth. Maybe we, yeah, maybe we'll move on to that. But that weekend is insane. Yeah, and and then the fifteenth of May, Juventus play Inter. So, I mean, we'll see if Inter give a shit at that point, but not easy. And and Roma play that in the Lazio and the Rome derby. So, I mean, there, there are some huge games still still to come. Atalanta against AC Milan, 23rd of May. Sorry, I mean, I'm just, you're just listening yeah, to yeah. look at fixtures, <laughs> but like, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, no, I think, you know, betting people, this is this is where you make your money. Go oh, for yeah. like Roma to enter the top four. <laughs> Win all of their remaining games. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is it is insane. And if we move on to like La Liga, you see the exact same thing happening there. Oh. So, um, let me just pull it up. Here we go. So Atleti again. It was it was dicey for a bit. It's still dicey, but at least they pulled forward a bit with two points. They do play Barcelona, isn't it next weekend? May eighth. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. So 
Barcelona could leapfrog them if they beat them. Messi has a dinner. He put a dinner for the whole team at home this weekend, so he means business. That's very nice. Um, so that means, you know, if they if one of them has COVID, then they all can miss the game, which is great. <laughs> Do we know what he um, said? No, it's probably that stuff out of a coconut, whatever they drink. That, South, that South American drink. Herba <laughs> mate. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> no coconut involved. Yeah, it looks like a coconut shell. Uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, but but apparently, if you watch that video with him and Suarez, they do a lot of uh, smoked meat Argentinian style at home. So it's yeah. probably that he's got his own like fire pit thingy going on there. The yeah. Argentinian carne. I, I love that the nutritionist at Barcelona is like, please don't do it again. He's like, no, 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 I'm doing it. Well, he he was only directing that to Suarez. Messi is like, please eat more. Suarez, please eat less. <laughs> yeah, that may be true. Um, but yeah, it's insane. And then you got Madrid. So right now, as it stands, you got Madrid, Barca, Sevilla. Only four points apart of, you know, of fighting yeah. for. Well, Madrid on, on 74, Barca 74, Sevilla lost in the last minute to Bilbao today, last minute in Yaki Williams' goal. So, so they're on 70 and you'd have to say out of the title race, but, but they can play a big role because while Atleti play Barca next weekend, Sevilla play Real Madrid. And if Sevilla can hold them to a draw or beat them, you know, that, that might take Real Madrid out of it. Well, let's, let's put it this way. Let's say Atleti Barcelona draw, that's at, and and Sevilla beat Madrid. That puts it at seventy-seven Atleti, Madrid seventy-four, Barcelona seventy or so, so Barcelona seventy-five, Madrid yep. seventy-four, Sevilla seventy-three. That would be nice. Still extremely tight at that point. That would be really nice. Just a almost just a point separating each position. Yeah. And then I'm just looking to see if there are any other huge matches. No. So after that, they're all kind of playing other teams yeah but the way um, the way barca madrid and atleti are playing this season they could drop points at any moment they really could they really could it's it's mad but it's a it's a lot of fun i mean I, similar stuff is, is going on in uh in Liga this weekend paris saint germain won uh, to go top and then lille beat nice 2-0 in, a, in what is a difficult game to take the top spot back so you know lille are one point ahead of psg and, and monaco are only a few points behind them still still on yeah, it, it's on in all the leagues except the Premier League, to be honest. <laughs> well, I know Serie A is done, but the Premier League has a top four. There, there's at least a top four or a title uh, charge in, in all the leagues this season. So it's very exciting. How's uh, how's the Bundesliga looking? I think Bayern are probably going to win. Bayern are, yeah, it's pretty much done. You're seven <laughs> points ahead. Leipzig. I mean, there is a fight. There is quite a nice fight for a top four. You've got... Leverkusen on 50, Dortmund on 55, and Frankfurt on 56, and Wolfsburg mm. on 57. So there's, you know, six points between third and sixth. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, Bundesliga, I mean, I'm, I'm more interested next season when, you know, you've got uh, Nagelsmann at, at Bayern. That'll be fun. Then you've got Marco Rose taking over at Dortmund, which would be fun. And it's all it's all changing around. Um, Potentially Haaland staying... I mean, they seem to be making a lot of noise, Dortmund, about that. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're saying doesn't matter what Rayola says, we're, we're keeping him. Um, but it, it did just, uh, I, I was looking at it the other day and Leipzig are losing their manager. They've lost Upamakana. They're losing Konate. They've lost their sporting director as well. I forget his name. Uh, and, I don't little, know, and I think uh... Sabitzer is probably moving too. So like... Uh, I know they've got their systems and they're all set up, but like that's a lot to replace. A little clip of the wings. Hey, hey. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, you're right. I mean, 
I don't know, with the Red Bull, it's potentially you can just put a lot of money back in. And and with Germany, the thing with Germany is that there's enough young talent that as long as you just pick them out right, you'll be fine. And yeah. then you'll, it's that cycle. You know, I remember looking into this teams that work on that cycle of young players, sell young players. All it takes is one bad transfer window and your whole system falls apart. And now you're like looking at relegation. So oh, it's, true. yeah, yeah. You, you yeah you have to get you have it to get it right, right every every transfer window yep yeah yep. you know they just blokes with laptops football manager <laughs> yeah really um, champions need. league champions league let's quickly end up on the champions league manchester oh. city against psg tomorrow what do you think i mean mbappe is injured but still might play which seemed to be the case last week Last week he had a groin strain and still played. This week he's got a calf thing. Well, he also didn't play very well in the first game. Right. Um, so, what is the... F- uh, there's way too many games. What is the first round score? First leg? 2-1 City. And, oh, 2-1 two, oh, City. So they have two away goals. They cannot... Come on. Isn't I it? I mean, that... Is it? Now you're making me question myself. Wait, let me... Let me click it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. City one to one away. Yeah, so, okay. if City do anything good, it suffocate you. So, the City are in danger when they when the other team can counter attack because City want to score a goal. So, as long as City don't need to score a goal, which is the case up until like PSG one nil, potentially one mm-hmm. one. So, City should be able to suffocate, just tippy tappy, pass the ball, and really let PSG come out. So, they should have this. Like, this is the perfect scenario for a City team. It's true. It's true. Uh-huh. It's also um, like th- these are the moments where Neymar needs to needs to come up with something, you know, an early PSG goal, and then you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Well, with any luck for the neutral, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then obviously got... Chelsea Real Madrid uh, the following day. Yeah, Chelsea with the away goal for the one-one. They'll take that. Question: <sighs> Chelsea might do this, man. They Again, may well. In a position that they like. Shut up shop, don't concede, potentially end nil-nil or one-nil. Again, both the English teams are in position that they that should play to their strengths. Totally true. I just it, when you reach these kind of stages of the Champions League, I find it almost impossible to to go against Real Madrid. Just because they always yeah. seem to pull it out. They just that that experience, that inbuilt something or other. Although still no Ramos? Or is he back? No, potentially. So potentially what I was hearing is if he's back, I think he might be back and he's in contention to play right back because they've they're lo- they've lost all their right backs. So mm. Carvajal or whatever got injured last game, I believe. Not sure if he's going to make it in time. So a couple of issues there. I was really surprised. Was Mendy injured or something? I was really surprised to see Marcelo start last game, to be honest. Let me see if he was on the bench. I was too. I thought it might He was not been... on the bench. So that makes sense. Okay. At least that we know that wasn't like a tactic from because Zidane, yeah there was a bad no one. way exactly yeah um, Hazard came on and did nothing but at least he sauntered around <laughs> so yeah Carvalho got, got injured against in. Chelsea yeah he got some steps in. Um, Carvalho got injured against Chelsea and and subbed off so maybe so, he'll play Odriozola but people are saying Ramos could be back and playing at right back could be Vasquez sometimes they do that mm. yeah there there are options but none of them bring are. back the bring back the Sevilla days. Yeah, really. I, I mean, Let, whoever it is should be able to deal with Chilwell. Well, it's also especially that they're playing three at the back. I mean, they did against Chelsea. So if they continue to play three at the back, who your wing back is is not too crucial, at least at the back, right? So 
yeah, you'll be fine. Um, who, if you had to pick the winner, Alex, and what's your reasoning out of these four teams, who would you give the Champions League to? Like, who do I think will no, win, or who do I no, want? No, you give the trophy tomorrow to ah. this team, and why? I mean, oh, that's nice. All despicable in their own ways, but yes, but that's um, true for any soccer, any football team now. So. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Abramovich to Gulf States and uh, Perez. Florentino Perez. So there's, there's no leg to stand on there. Um, I'm not giving it to Real Madrid because they, like, they should be bored of it by now. Can't give it to Chelsea. You know what? Like, yeah, uh, let's keep it footballing. Let's keep it footballing. Yeah. Uh, I can't give it to Chelsea. I mean, I'd rather not give it to Chelsea because they don't play fun football. I respect it. It's very effective, mm-hmm. but no. Um City, I suppose City, but uh, as you know, I really like Pochettino and I'd like him to win something. So I would give it to him. Yeah, I, I would give it to the winner of City PSG. So yes. I'd, I'd, so sorry to bend the rules a little bit. I'd wait for this game. To, <laughs> I'd wait for the semi-final. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> and then give it to, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just uh, channeling my inner Perez. Yeah. Um, and then I would give it to the winner of those because City, I like the, I like the Pep thing. I like the give it to Pep. You know, I like him. He's crazy in his own way, but he tries to do it the right way. I'll forget the money spending. I mean, the playing. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it. I like the Pep idea. City, I'm numb to them. We've talked about this a lot of times. And when it comes to the Premier League, as opposed to like, let's say, at Chelsea, PSG would be nice for the Neymar and Mbappe thing. Their project finally coming together. But it would be less about the project, more about just the the Neymar and Mbappe, you know, connection there. I would like that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, I it also there would be something satisfying about PSG winning it in that it would annoy Roche so much. It would to see yeah, Neymar, yeah. to see Verratti, to see Marquinhos lift the trophy. I mean, he would Di Maria. He would be Di furious. Maria. Yeah, it's a lot of hate for him for that squad. Yeah, so that, mm-hmm. there's that. But also, okay, here, here's a question: If PSG were to win the Champions League, does that make it more or less likely that Mbappe? Less. I think Neymar is staying, but less. Less, think less for sure. Yeah, he doesn't feel like I've done it all now. Might as well go somewhere else. I, I, I think at his age where he is right now, I think he's looking for an excuse to stay. Mm. Is my is my feel? Because um, where is he going to go? Real Madrid. Madrid, if they but, can afford it. But apparently, they can't afford anything without Super League. So. Uh, yeah. So you know, is it really that much of a of a step up right now? The state Madrid's in, etc. I don't know. Maybe the league going to La Liga, but other than that, like. He, he would destroy La Liga. Oh, man. But, La Liga is ridiculous. I mean, you've I mean, got Moreno from, from Villarreal at like almost second top score. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but um, no, I, I think you're right. I don't think it's a step up re- in reality. But mm-hmm. in his head, like, there's that right, Real Madrid yeah. thing. You know, yeah, it's always the classic. as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, so. His grandfather, blah, 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 all that good stuff. (laughs) Anyway, we shall see. Um, I I think what we can definitely say is whoever wins the Champions League this year is going to have earned it. um, Oh, yeah. As opposed to some other years where, you know, a team might fluke their way through. So, wicked. We look forward to it and we will discuss it next week. All right. See you later. Ciao. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Mm-hmm.